So good, so good. So I'm sitting down here, I'm wondering, you know, when Van Halen recorded that song, I wonder if they ever thought it would be played in church, you know? So yeah, it's just, just great. Let it go. That's our little Sammy Hagar right there. And uh, anyway, hey, hey, I missed you. I've been gone the last three weeks. I, let me tell you, the last two, two of the last three weeks, I've been up at our West Campus up there. And if you haven't been up there, it, you should go because it's just, like, it's just like Lafayette except easier parking and only two-minute lines for get your kids into, into, into ministry over there. So, so it's much easier. So you ought to go up there, all right? When we first opened the campus about seven months ago, we said don't go up there because we want them to get used to everything. And they, they're, they're kicking tail up there. They're, they're doing great. Ooh, wow, <laughs> almost came out. Anyway, but anyway, they're doing well, praise the Lord. Anyway, and, uh, and if you want to go up there and you're on I-70, go up to the mountains on the way home, go up there to the West Campus because they're doing great. Tonight, they kick off student ministries for the first time up there at that campus. Ben's going to kick off middle school and high school. It's just going to be amazing up there. And so shout out to, uh, to, to the West Campus, and we're tied together. We're going to s- worship together here at the end of the service. It's just, I just love what God's doing up there. Uh, the other thing is, I, it's really good to look out and see so much orange in this room. It's just, there's a football game today. Did you know that? And uh, it's just, I just can't wait. And I got tickets, so we're going to hurry this along. All right, so um, anyway, uh, so I, I'm wearing a new shirt today. Today, this is our uh, Merge shirt. Merge is kind of rebranding the, uh, itself. Merge is one of our ministries around here. It's been, in the past, it's been primarily focused on college age. And the, the, the truth is, they, they, they said that's really, really too narrow. We want to go after all young adults, 18 to like 26. And, and the truth is, is that about half of the 18 to 26-year-olds in this, in this room right now didn't go to college, didn't want to go to college, you know, couldn't afford to go to college, chose not to go to college, dropped out of college, got kicked out, whatever that is. But, but we, we didn't go to college. And so we want to broaden that up. If you're 18 to 26, Merge is for you. We're just going to call it young adults from now. On. We're going to meet every Thursday night at the West Campus and also on the West End da- down here where we're just going to unpack well, what we talk about in here every week and then figure out how we're going to do that as young adults, you know, out there on the front edge of our careers trying to figure out marriage or get married or whatever it is, we're trying to figure that. So if you're 18 to 26, you're in that crowd called Young Adults. We want to include you in that. If you can't wait till this Thursday where we're kicking it off, Scott's going to be teaching that, by the way. Tonight, down at the West End at the Lafayette campus, we are having a, a football party. We're streaming in the game. We're having free food. And all the 19-year-olds went, that's all I heard. I'll be there, right? And so, um, so if you're a young adult or you own one of those at your house and you want them to be gone, send them out down here tonight or Thursday. Just, just send them over to one of the campuses and, uh, and we're just going to do some great stuff. Hey, I, I'm really, really, really excited about this new series. I, I posted some stuff on Facebook that we're, we're going to start this, this, this new series, and then I got a whole bunch of you know, feedback, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute. But, but, but we're going to get into this new series, but I, I want to kind of set it up. So today is just kind of an introduction. I, I don't even, I'm not even going to teach anything new. Some of you are going, he never does. But anyway, and, and, and I got this email twice in the last three weeks. Scott is the biblical one, and Jim's the funny one. I don't know how to take that. Um, it hurts Scott's feeling. He thinks he's funny. But... Um, but I'm biblical. Shut up. Anyway, so anyway, let me kind of set this up, though. All right? I'm feeling good, man. So about three years ago, we, in this room, we did um, probably my, my, my favorite series we've done over the last four or five years in here. It was in January. We did a series called Reverse Engineering. And when we did that series, that kind of started, and I don't have a better word for it, like a revival, a movement in the hearts of a whole bunch of us, but especially, not limited to, but especially men. Over the last several years, we've been really running after the hearts of men, men, husbands, fathers, young men, old men, single men, married men, not married anymore, men. And at the end of that series, and thousands of times since that, that series three years ago, a whole bunch of us men have gone out here to the lobby or, or someplace, and we got one of these little thin red line bracelets. We, we signed our name on a line indicating we want something better for our lives. 
in, in, in the future, right? Something better as men, as husbands, as fathers, as leaders. And, and many of us, all right, we wear this all over Denver and we see other men all over Denver at the gym and all that kind of stuff. And they have these on. And it's a statement to anybody who knows what this is about is this. I want to be a better man. I want something better for my life. I, I, I want to love my wife better than I have in the past. Some of us are you know, 13, 14. We, we don't have wives, but we know we're going to meet somebody someday. We want to be ready to love our wives better than what we've seen in the culture around us. We want to follow Jesus better than we followed him in the past. We want to lead our children, the children we don't have yet or the children we have right now. We want to be better fathers. We want to prepare ourselves for something better. And the whole gist of that reverse engineering series, uh, and, and every week the same theme in here, and the same thing that Jesus hit over and over was this. If you want things to be better down the road, if you want things to change over there downrange, you have to make some adjustments right here, right now. If I want tomorrow, if I want next week or a decade from now to be different than what, than what I have right now, I have to make some differences today. I have to make some changes today, right? And, and every time I use this metaphor, I know I get, make some people mad, but that, I'm okay with that. But here's the truth. One of the realities I've come to grips with as a person, I like to shoot guns at targets and at big game animals in one month and five days, all right? So I, so I really like to do this. But here's the truth I've learned since, I, since I've started doing it. It goes like this. This is so deep. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, it's true. Bullets don't lie. Right? Bullets don't lie. And here's what I mean. You can make all the excuses. You can blame your circumstances. You can blame. It's the wind's fault. You can claim you had something in your eye. You can try to talk yourself and everybody else around you into believing that something is true. But the truth is, the reality, bullets only go in the direction that you point them. That, 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 that is where they will go. So when you look at what you said you wanted for your life, and then you look down range and you realize, I was way off. I wasn't even close. You can't blame the bullet. And you can't blame the target down there. See, something happened up here. And unless something up here changes, nothing down there is ever going to change, at least for, for the better, all right? And that's, that's, just, that's just true. And of course, the best way to change things down there is I have to start up here aiming my life at something better by making adjustments right here, right now. And when I aim my life at something better, the ripple effect is that everything else in my life gets better too. And so the takeaway from that series, the second takeaway from that series for men and women was and is this, and I'm going to read this out of the NIV, but here's the key to, to hitting a better life, a target, a, the bullseye in every area of my life. Here is what God says. If you want to hit the bullseye, here's what you have to do. Hebrews 12 says this, let us fix our eyes on who? Come on, kids, this audience participation. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, all right? And here's who Jesus is. He's the author of our faith. He's the, he's the founder. He's the, the source of, he's the beginning of our faith. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter. And that's the other extreme. He's the finisher. He's the end of, he's the sustainer of our faith. And here's what he does, all right? Who for the joy set before Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down. This is what Jesus is doing right now. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Got to fix our eyes on Jesus, all right? And, and here's why, Paul, or why God is telling us, you have to keep your eyes on my son Jesus. Here's the result if you'll do that. Verse 3, I love this. He says, consider him. Think about Jesus who endured such opposition from sinful men. And here's why he says for us to do that. So that, here it is, you will not grow weary and lose heart. So here, here is what will keep you going in, in any and every area of your life. Here's what has to happen in every area of your life so that down there, next week, a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, your life ends up and goes in the direction that it needs to go. God's saying this to us today. You have to keep your eyes on my son Jesus today, not down the road, right now, right? So that tomorrow you have a shot. You have a good shot to have an experience, the better life that God wants you to have. Keep your eyes on my son, Jesus. And then the flip side of that is also kind of implied there. Because if you take your, your eyes off of my son, Jesus, if you look to anybody else to say, that's a better way, 
I think that's a better definition of sexuality or love or romance or finance or family or parenting or whatever that is. If you, if you lean your life against anything else to say, I think that will take care of me when my life gets hard, God is saying this in his word. It's a matter of time. It is a matter of time until you grow weary and lose heart and quit again. And wouldn't that be a lot of our stories? I mean, just be honest with yourself. That, that would describe a lot of our lives. Looking back, the reason that so many of us, and I'll put myself on this list, have lost so many important things in our life is that someone, maybe it was us, maybe it was somebody else, maybe it was our parents, maybe it was our spouse, maybe it was our kids, whatever, but someone, and we always thought they would be there for us, they turned their eyes and they focused their lives, they aimed their lives at the wrong thing, and a day came, and you're going to remember this day, when we looked at where the bullets of our life were hitting, the trajectory of our life, where it ended up, and we, we woke up one morning and we laid in bed and we thought this how did I get here right how did I how did I get so far off target because back in high school back in college in my 20s I had a plan for my life and I'm looking around and I'm not even close and that was a hard day wasn't it it was for me you're looking around my life going this is nothing like what I thought my life would be nothing what I was aiming at but the message that comes back from God over and over especially over these last few weeks as Scott has unpacked this this book of Philippians all right is this Grace is more than enough to cover all of our mistakes, all our bad shots at, at life. There's more than enough grace. And the message from God over and over is this. Don't quit. Don't give up. Learn from your past, but don't carry your past around with you. Don't let your past mistakes define you. Instead, I love this verse from last week. Press on. That's a good verse. Press on, all right? Let go of the past and press on for the prize that God is offering you. And, and the, the key to hitting that target, the bullseye, attaining that life is simply this. You have to fix your eyes on Jesus. You have, to, you have to focus your eyes on Jesus in faith. How does that start? You ask God to forgive you. Let Jesus, what he did on the cross, count for you. Accept his forgiveness and his grace. And then, get this, from that point on, from this point on, and by the way, that's all you have. You can't change your past. You can't undo the, the, the path. You can't do that. It's forgiven, but all you have is from this point on. But from this point on, it's time to refocus our life, re-aim our life at something better, a better way, a better truth, a, be a better life. Focus, fix your eyes, aim your, eye, your, your life at Jesus. He's the one that can hold you together. And the result is, you know, if you'll do that, fix your eyes on Jesus, the Bible promises, then you won't grow weary, you won't lose heart, and you won't quit. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. So, so, you know, I, I'm in my office and I'm studying that and I'm looking going, that's, that's, that's good. Then here's the, the question that jumps in my head. What's that even mean? What, what is it? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Aim your life at Jesus. And that sounds so churchy, right? It's like a Christian bumper sticker right next to the fish, right? I mean, that's what you would just see out there. It's like, that's just cliche. So what does it really mean? Fix your eyes on Jesus. It, remembers, it, it, it means this. Remember Jesus. Just, you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta remember Jesus. You gotta, you gotta think about Jesus. Remember everything about him all through your day, all through your life, because life gets crazy and you forget. How about this? Remember who Jesus said he was? Do you remember? He said he's God in the flesh, right? He said he came to show us a better way, a more abundant life, a better, a better truth. Remember what Jesus taught us? Remember what Jesus said was true? That in him, everybody gets another chance. You gave up on yourself, Jesus hasn't. Everything can be forgiven, that he wants to come and live inside of you and teach you how to live from the inside out. Remember what Jesus promised? He promised us some really, really great things. He promised us that God loves us, God doesn't hate us. He's promised that, that God is willing to do whatever has to be done to make sure that you and I are forgiven and nothing will ever be able to separate us from God, nothing. Our sin, nobody else's sin can separate us from God. You cannot do something so bad that God goes, I don't love you anymore. It's not going to happen. His grace is greater than that once Jesus has connected to you. And remember what Jesus did? 
This is big. He backed up every claim and every promise by doing exactly what he said he would do. This is why we can trust him. He died on a cross to pay for our sins and then rose from the dead three days later, conquering death, proving that, that if he can do that, and by the way, I don't know what other religions you've been into, but no other religion claims that. Our, our God died and then came back to life as proof that he can keep every promise. And if he can conquer death, my faith is that he can keep every other promise that he promised to do in my life. So fix your eyes, set your mind, aim all the parts of your life, of your marriage, of your finances, of your sexuality, whatever that, focus it on Jesus. Why? So that when times get tough, not if, but when times get tough, you won't get weary and give up again. So sometimes, you know, we, we find strength from that, from, from, from remembering what's been done in the past. So all through your life, sometimes the way you keep going is going, think about everything that had to happen for me to get here. Remember what, for what Jesus has done for me in the past to get me this far. Remembering that I'm not alone. Remember that there are people in my life that, that love me and, and are pulling for me and believing for, uh, in me. Re- remembering how far I've come. Some of us, sometimes we just have to take a time out and go, you know what? I'm not perfect, but, but I'm not like five years ago. I'm not like a year ago. I, God is making changes in my life. And so we look back at the past and we keep going because we look at the past. But sometimes, and this is where we're going to go in this next series, when times get hard, we find strength to keep going, not by just fixing our eyes on what's been done in the past, but sometimes by holding on to what we believe is going to happen in the future, right? What is to come. Sometimes that's what gets us out of bed, a promise regarding what will happen in the future by reminded, being reminded that this is not all there is, that this is not the last chapter of my life, that the circumstance that you find yourself in or the situation or the marriage or the whatever situation you find yourself in, this is not it. This is temporary and something better, something more is coming. Can you believe that? Because sometimes that's the only thing that will keep you going. But it always comes down to faith or back, back, back to faith. Here's the definition of faith so we're all on the same page. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It hadn't happened yet, but I'm sure it will. I'm leaning my life. My faith is I'm sure that, that something is, that I hope for is going to happen. The conviction of things not seen. I've not seen it. I'm not, I don't, but I'm convicted it's going to happen. That's faith. I believe something's going to happen. Or the way we translate it, you know, in light of everything we're talking about into kind of common English would be this. Faith is living with the confidence. This is how I'm going to live my life today. With the confidence that Jesus is who he says he is, past and present, and that Jesus will keep every promise that he's made to you in the future. This today, later today, next week, next year, right? That's the secret, the key, that you have to do this. Because if we don't do this, it's a matter of time until we get discouraged by what life throws at us. We will grow weary. We will lose heart. And we'll give up on the most important parts. And what I found about the most important parts of our life, they're also the hardest. Isn't that true? The most important parts and people in your life are also the most difficult. She's sitting next to you. Ta-da, there you go, right? So, so, you, so you know what I'm talking about there. It's important, but it's also really, really hard. <laughs> Don't glare at each other. I can see you all, right? right so, so here's it. Keep, you gotta keep our, we have to keep our eyes, fix our eyes, point our lives at this. This is how this is going to keep together. Jesus is who he says he is. He'll do everything he promises to do right now and in the future, even if I don't understand how he's going to do it. Even though I don't understand how he's going to pull this together or get me through this, I know he's going to do it. How can you say that, Jim? Here's why. He will because he promised he would. Sometimes that's what you have to hang on to. I have no idea how God's going to get me through this divorce, through this financial situation, through this cancer, through, through, through burying this person, all this. I have no idea. I just know he will. Why do you say that? He will because he promised he would. That's what keeps us going sometimes. For example, all right, in the past several months, we've, we've hammered home this truth over and over, this message of grace. The way we're connected to God, the way we are saved is by grace alone. We're saved by what Jesus did for us on, on, on the cross. We have to fix our eyes on what Jesus did for us. But because of that, 
because he kept every other promise he's made so far, then we can hold on to these encouraging words. I'm going to give you a verse that went, all through the week, people make contact with me or I have conversations out here in the lobby or people come to my office or I meet people at the mall or whatever that is and they start pouring out. You pour out your life to me. What's going on? And I'm just amazed at the burdens that some of us are carrying. Divorce, bankruptcy, going to jail, all these kind of things. You know, I had to bury my child this week and they look at me and they go, how can I keep going? And here's what I go back to. Because of what Jesus did for us, this is the verse that's the most comforting to me. It goes like this. Let us then, if Jesus is who he says he is, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace Here's why, that we may receive mercy and find grace, strength, to to help in time of need. That's the most comforting thing I can tell you when you're going through a really, really hard time. Because of what Jesus did for us in the past, today, right now, we have the confidence that no matter what we are going through, no matter whose fault it is, if it's our sin or somebody else's sin and we can't even figure it out, we know this, because Jesus took our sin away and reconnected us back to God, all right? We can go directly to God. You can go directly to God. You don't have to go to a special city, to a special building, to a special booth, and talk to a special man. You don't have to do that anymore. You can go directly to God and have a conversation with him and say, this is what I need, and this is what you'll get back from him. You'll get more than enough grace and more than enough mercy to hold you together. How do you say that? Because he promised he would. He promised he would. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that truth just to keep going in the darkest times of our life because of what Jesus did for us in the past. I can have hope right now in the present. But sometimes, even knowing that all that's true, sometimes the only thing that keeps us going The way that we find endurance comes from one word. I have some hope. Hope's a big word, right? I have hope for the future. I can keep going a little bit further as long as I have hope that something that is promised is going to happen, all right? Jesus, are you going to do this? Because if so, then I have some hope. I believe Jesus is who he says he is. He'll keep every promise. Because of that, I'm going to hang on because I have hope. And everything I've said so far in this, all right, all this, it's just called the introduction. Again, I'm not going to teach you anything new, all right? This is all introduction to where we're going. We are going to pick up right where Scott left off last week. We were in the middle of studying how the very first Christians ever in the whole world got started. The very first churches, what they were facing and how they got started. Because when the church started, the best comparison I can have is trying to start a church right now in Iraq. It's kind of like that. That, that's what these Christians were up against, and a lot of them were getting really, really, really discouraged. And in the middle of all that chaos, Paul writes two short little letters to some brand new Christians. And when I say brand new Christians, I'm talking like, a, like five minutes. I mean, three, three weeks, really. Paul had been in Thessalonians three weeks. These were brand new Christians, and they're going through really, really, really hard times. I follow Jesus. They cut my dad's head off. That kind of Christian. And they're getting really, 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 really discouraged, and they're about to give up hope. And Paul writes them these, these, these two letters from another town, and I'll explain why he's writing a letter in just a minute. This is, this is the first three verses of this letter. It goes like this. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. That's who's writing this. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Now, I just bet when they read that, going, I don't feel much grace, and I don't have a lot of peace. My life is hard. Verse 2. We, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our, in our prayers. So we pray for you every day. And here's what we pray. Remembering before our God and Father, here it is, your work of faith, your labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I almost made the whole talk just about that last verse right there. 
And here's what I mean by that. We've been, we've been using, if you're, if you're new around it, we've been using the book of Acts, which is short for the actions of the very first Christians, all right? We've been using that because it's a roadmap to track the spread of Jesus throughout the world. It started in Jerusalem, then it kind of went out to the neighborhoods around there, and then it kept on spreading until it ended up here in, in Colorado. And we've been kind of tracking the spread of, of the gospel and message of Jesus. So we're going to pick up right where Scott left off last week. The last three weeks in here, we've been looked at a letter that Paul wrote to some Christians who lived in a little town called Philippi. Right after Paul left Philippi, he goes to this city called Thessalonica. You read about it in Acts 17. Paul spends about three weeks there in Thessalonica, and he does what he always does. He goes into the Jewish synagogue. He listens to the teaching, raises his hand. Can I say something? He goes, you know what they're talking about in the, in the, in the Jewish scrolls right there? Well, it's Jesus. And then he connects the dots, and then a whole bunch of the Jewish people go, well, we believe that. And then they became Christians. So a bunch of Jewish people are becoming Christians there in Thessalonica. And then he goes outside of the synagogue, goes to some of the area, uh, kind of places where you get together, and he starts talking to Greek people because Thessalonica is in Greek. And they're following Zeus, and they're following Apollo, and they're following all these other gods. He goes, you know what? I know you're looking for other gods, but you can all find it in Jesus. And then all these Greek men and women, they start following Jesus. And so this church in Thessalonica blows up. It's just people are coming to Christ and getting baptized. It's just going great until... Some of the local people, they kind of have a meeting. They say, we don't want this Jesus nonsense in, a, in our community. So they had a meeting over at Pearl Street, and then they said, I'm just kidding, all right? So they, <laughs> that's a joke, lighten up, all right? I got worse ones coming, all right? So anyway, so, so, so they got together, and we said, we don't want this Jesus stuff in our community. We'll edit that out. I didn't say that last night. Ooh, all right, so anyway. And they got a mob together, and they ran Paul and all of his crew out, out, out of town, all right? So Paul leaves town. Now, usually when, when you lose your leader, a lot of times the church falls apart. Some of us grew up in church like that. You know, the preacher ran off or got kicked out or whatever that is, and the church kind of fell apart. But not in Thessalonica. These Christians were fired up. They said, we're not going to quit whether Paul's here or not. And on their own, they continued to follow Jesus as best they could. And Paul, you know, even though he couldn't go back to them, he kept tabs on them. And he sent Timothy back a couple of times to check on them. And so he writes this letter. And here's what he says. I know about you. I'm listening. And I heard a lot of things about you. I pray for you every day. Here's what I pray about when I talk to God about you. I pray about your work of faith. I love this. Your work of faith. Because you believe, because you have faith in Jesus and who he is, you're working so hard in so many areas of your life, you're living out the things that you say you believe. You're not just going to church and praying about it. You live it out every day. I've heard about what you're doing because of your faith in Jesus, even though following Jesus in Thessalonica is really hard. Sometimes it's just really hard work to follow Jesus, isn't it? I mean, where you work, isn't it really hard to follow Jesus some days? Where you go to school, you know, new school year, and you're trying to hold on to Jesus and try to you know, get along in high school, middle school, something like that, and you're sitting there going, I don't, I, it's really hard work, Paul, because I know every time I think about you, I pray, because I know you're, it's hard work to follow Jesus, right? I've heard about your, I love this, your labor of love, and Paul uses that word labor intentionally because love leads to labor. Now watch all these ladies' heads start going, mm-hmm, all right, right? Because and, and, everybody's going to know what I mean. And here's what I mean. There, there are some things in your life that you will struggle for. You will push through. You'll endure. You'll keep going to the point of exhaustion. And the only reason you will do that is, is because of love. Because you wouldn't do it for any other reason. If you didn't love this person this much, you'd have bailed on this a long time ago. It's just, it's just too hard. And you have people in your life you're thinking about right now. Right? Don't point at them. They're two people down. Don't, don't point, all right? But, it, but be honest. If they weren't your kid, they'd be on the street, all right? You'd kick them to the curb. If that wasn't your mom or your dad or your parents or something like that, you'd have quit on them a long time ago. Anybody else? And by the way, everybody else is going, kick them out. Get them out of your life. They're not worth it. And you go, no, no, no. It's a labor of love. I'm just not going to give up. And the reason? Because you love them so much. 
And so you keep on laboring. And Paul starts his letter by going, I'm so thankful because I've heard so much about you, about your hard work and faith, and your won't give up kind of love. And then here's the third one. I love this. Your steadfast, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Steadfastness. Other words translate the same way. Your endurance because of your hope in Jesus Christ. Your, your refusal to surrender because of your hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, Scott talked about this so well over the last three weeks. Paul knows what he's talking about because anytime Paul opens his mouth and he gives advice about, about here's, here's a better way to live, it all comes from his own Me Too story. Paul's not sitting on a, on, a, on a balcony overlooking the Caribbean with a little drink with an umbrella in his hand going, work it out, kids. You know, he, he's, not, he's, not, he's not saying, hold on, all right? No, he's going, I, I get it. I, I get it. Me too. I know what you're, you're going through a hard time. Me too. I have been in those hard times. I am in those hard times. Because right after this, they arrest him and throw him in prison. I know there are times when you want to quit. I, there's days when Paul goes, I want to quit. All, all the time, I felt the same way. I know there are times, and you're going to watch the heads around here because you've prayed this prayer as many times as I have. There are times when you look up at heaven and you pray this prayer. Hey, God, are you there and do you care and are you paying attention to my life? Because it doesn't feel like it. Paul goes, I pray that prayer. I pray that prayer. And you're, and, you're, and you're about to quit. And Paul says, I know, I get it. Me too. And the same thing that has kept me going is the same thing that is and will keep you going. If we're going to hold together and not give up and, and lose heart, we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't give up. Don't quit now. Your, your faith that Jesus is who he says he is and has taken away your sins and saved you by his blood, that's why you can keep on working hard. It's going to be hard work. Your love of Jesus and who he is and what he said is true. That's why you're going to keep on laboring and struggling to keep going when your circumstances and your life get worse instead of better. And then here's the big one. Because you have this hope. This is why you're not going to give up. You have this hope that Jesus will keep his future promise to you. And it's a really big promise that we're going to look at here in just a minute. A promise that changes everything if it's really true. It's why you can and you will endure to the end. To the end of everything. How, long, how many days do I have to endure? Till the end of days. Till there aren't any more days. If we can keep our eyes fixed on this promise, we won't give up. And that's what this whole letter, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, is going to be about. To some Christians that are struggling and about to put up the white flag, and a bunch of us who are, let's be honest, we came to church today, this is our last shot trying to make the Jesus thing make sense. And we're about ready to walk because our life is hard. A reminder to the Christians in Thessalonica and to us who are overwhelmed with the hard circumstances of our life, who feel tired and overwhelmed with what we have to face, not just today, but day after day after day after day. And we're surrounded by people who, who claim to be Christians, but we look at them going, really? Or people that used to be Christians, but they gave up and walked away, and, and they're telling us, you ought to walk away too. There's some of us in this room right now, we're trying to decide if we're going to give up on God, on Jesus, on our marriage, or at least this one, on our family, on our parents, on sobriety. There's a whole bunch of us that are trying to figure out if we're going to hang in there. And here's why because it doesn't feel like it's going to get better anytime soon. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. And Paul's message from Jesus to the Thessalonians and to us and the rest of this message and the next series over the next several weeks is this. Don't give up. Don't give up because Jesus is going to keep a big promise, a big one. And what's the promise that Jesus is gonna, or Paul's going to remind them of? It's this. Don't give up. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to come again. Not in a metaphorical sense, kind of like, no, literally. Literally, he's going to come back. That's what the Bible teaches. He's not coming like spiritually in your heart. Although he's already done that, that is true, but that's not what we're talking about. It's not like I can feel his presence in the room. He's here. Great. That's not what we're talking about. According to what Jesus himself promised is this. A day is coming when Jesus will physically come again. That's what he said over and over again. And I get asked this all the time. I get it almost every week. Scott and I get asked this. Hey, you guys ever going to do a series on the second coming of Jesus? Are you ever going to study through the book of Revelation and all that 
weird stuff already and how the world's going to end. And you know, I listen to that. And I don't say this out loud, but in my mind, I'm, I'm looking at, when you ask me that question, I'm going, why, why do you want to study that? There's some freaky stuff in there, right? Why, why, why do you want to look at that? Because almost, it's, and, and maybe I'm judging them, maybe this isn't true, but this is what it feels like. I, I look in a person's eye when they ask me about that, and here's what I, I, I sense a lot of people are asking. When is, or is Jesus ever going to come back and punish the bad people? Right, right? Is Jesus ever going to come back and send her to hell? Because it's time. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, I, I'm really, really fed up. And, and that, that sounds really mean, doesn't it? Jesus going to burn the bad people up? Yeah, right? Sounds self-righteous, doesn't it? But, but I think, here's the thing, all right? Maybe I'm, a, I'm just going to just assume positive intentions. But I think the bigger, deeper question a lot of us are asking about second coming stuff and all that, especially when life hurts, is this. Here's the question behind the question. Are things ever going to get better? I think that's the question behind that other question. I really, really do. Are things ever going to get better? Because there's a lot of us going, I'm just barely hanging on. Is this, is this ever going to get better? I mean, I mean, don't you watch the news sometimes? If you still watch the news and just shake your head a lot, you're going, wow. Really? Really? Right? I mean, some of us, you know, we, we, we lay in bed and we, we, we kind of ask God this question. I, I've lost so much. Some of us in this room, we have lost so much, so many things, so many people are like, will I ever get it back? I've been treated unfairly. I, what happened to me? There was just no justice in it, and justice wasn't served. Will justice ever really be served, or is it always going to be like this? How about this one? This is a big one for me. Will I ever get to see people that I love that have died? Do I get to see them again, or is that it? Is that it? Will I see them again? That one, that one's really, that one's hit hard to me. The last couple of weeks, I've just really missed my dad. He's in heaven, but, and, and he's in a good place and all that. I just needed to have a conversation with him this week. And this is, here's what I drive down Highway 7 going, I'll see him someday. I, I, I will, all right? Now hang on to that. There are things in my life that I can't change or fix, but I can hold on, right? We can hold on just a little bit longer as long as we know this isn't all there is. This isn't how it's always going to be, all right? I need some hope, and if I have hope, then I can endure. So my question is, Lord, are you coming back? And the answer to the almost ready to give up people in Thessalonica 2,000 years ago and to us in this room right now is this. Are you having a hard time? Hang on. Why? Because Jesus, yes, Jesus is coming again. And not just coming, but according to the Bible, according to Jesus himself, well, look at the, here's the last recorded words of Jesus in the whole Bible. It's the last verse of the whole Bible. Where's that at? It's in the back, all right? So go to the back and then go like four pages to the left, all right? Revelation 22, all right? This is Jesus in verse 20. He says this, he, Jesus, who testifies to these things, says, so this is Jesus talking. Here's Jesus saying, surely, another way to say surely is, I promise I am coming when? I'm coming soon. And here's the response of the people reading that. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus goes, hey, hang on. I'm coming soon. Oh, great. Hurry. Hurry, right? Because life is hard. So that's what we're going to look at for the next month or so in here. Next week, we're going to look at what did Jesus himself say? Not about his birth, not about his life, although he said a lot about that. Not just about his death and resurrection, although he talked about that a lot. But what did Jesus say and talk about when he talked about this thing called on that day? If you read through the teachings of Jesus over and over, about every third or fourth story, it's on that day. In other places, it's called the day of the Lord. What did Jesus have to say about that? We're going to look at what some, some of the same prophecies said. One day God will send a Messiah and he'll be born in a manger in Bethlehem. What do those same prophets also prophesy about the same Jesus coming, not the first time, but the second time? And how will it be different than the first time? And here's the answer. Very, very. Baby, Jesus has left the manger. It's different. Okay, right? So, <laughs> so starting next week, we're going to look at what Jesus himself said about the end of days when he comes back. See, and over and over and over, Jesus is very, very clear, right? And this may be the only takeaway you need. A day is coming, 
A day is coming, and it will be, and it will look like this. And then he describes with metaphors and stories, this is what to look for. This is what it's going to be like. This is what to look for as that day gets closer and closer. Then after that, over the next three or four weeks, we're going to look at what Jesus and Paul and Peter and John all wrote about what will happen when Jesus keeps his promise and he comes back. And all along the way, we're going to work in this. So what? So what? I don't know if he's coming in five minutes or 5,000 years from now. I, I don't know, all right? But I do know this, all right? If he is coming, then, then something needs to change today, right? Now, I want to give you two things, all right? And then we're going to stop and we'll launch into the series next week. Again, all introduction. There's no application except, am I going to come back for this weird thing or not, all right? But let me just be really, really clear about what you're going to come back for. First of all, we're not going to get strange. It seems like every time we talk about the, the second coming, the weirdest Christians all pop their heads up going, hey, how about this, all right? We're not going to get paranoid. We're not going to look for demons and antichrists under every rock. And we're not going to try to predict dates and times about when it's going to happen. All my life, the Christian world has been full of that, all right? Somebody publishes a book about 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 88, all right? Then somebody said, Ronald Reagan had six, 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 six. he's the antichrist, all right? So every, every president, every, people are looking at Obama right now and saying, he's the antichrist. Right, so anyways, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. Lighten up. Lighten up. He's not the Antichrist. He's related to him, but that's all right. But anyway, it's a joke. Don't walk out. Get back. Sit back down. All right. So, all right. So, <clears throat> we're not going to get weird. We're, I promise, we're not going to get weird. But let's be honest, all right? Let's be honest. That's the only thing you'll remember uh, the whole time. You're typing your email right now to me, all right? But let's be honest, all right? Just go with me, all right? If you, and you might not believe this, but if you really believe by faith, somehow you knew that Jesus was coming back Tuesday, just for some reason, okay? And we're not going to get into that, all right? But if you believe with all your heart that Jesus is going to come back Tuesday, I'll bet your Monday would be very different than what you currently have planned, right? That's just, that's just true. It's like, whoa, whoa if that's really going to happen, then things need to change right now. So if Jesus is going to come in the future, what does that mean for today? And the answer is our Monday probably needs to be different anyway. Right? We're going to be high on application right here, right now. And the Thessalonians were really, really confused and discouraged because they heard Jesus and some other people, you know, talk about, I'm coming soon. And they thought, soon, like, don't buy green bananas. Soon, Jesus is coming back, all right? I mean, they, they really thought he's coming back like Thursday, Friday. And then, you know, he didn't come back that week or the next week or the next month. And then grandma died. And they're going, did she miss out? Because she missed out on Jesus coming back. And they were about to give up hope. Is Jesus going to keep his promise or not? Because their lives are getting really, really, really hard. So if Jesus is coming back, what does that mean for right now? Big applications are coming. If you don't like ap high applications, you don't want to come to this series. Second is this. Both letters that Paul writes to, to the Christians in Thessalonica. And how about this? That famous book of Revelation that we're going to get into a little bit here, all right? Written by John. They were not written primarily as a threat. Now, a lot of people look at them going, they've used it as, you, you, better, you better be good because Jesus is coming back. He's cleaning the house and he'll burn butts in hell. And you better get your life right because Jesus is coming back. So we're, we're not going to use it as a threat. But again, the truth of the second coming of Jesus should serve as a wake-up call for those of us who are living like it's not true. And that wake-up call is really important. Paul is going to use that, that, that metaphor. A lot of us are asleep in our faith. Wake up. We've got to wake up now, all right? But we're not, gonna, we're not using the second coming of Jesus as a threat, get your life in order, but primarily the reason that Jesus and Paul and John and Peter and all the other major authors of the Bible talk about the second coming of Jesus was not to scare us, but to give us hope. Hang on. It gets better. Hope, all right? To serve as an encouragement to those who are at a point in their life and needed to be reassured. Jesus has not forgotten about us, and he does keep his promises. And I know your life is hard, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better anytime soon, but hold on. Don't give up. Why? Because Jesus is 
coming soon. And you'll be with him. And he'll be with you. And not only that, he'll bring with him those that you love who are with him right now. They're fine. My dad is fine. You know, the next time I'm going to see, see my dad is he's with Jesus and I meet him. And sometimes that is what gets you through a funeral. Because otherwise, how do you do it? How do you bury your children? How do you bury your parents? How do you bury your, your, your people you love the most unless you have this hope? You grieve, but not as people who don't have hope. One day, I'm going to be with him, with Jesus, with her, with Jesus. So don't give up. We will all be together soon. Sometimes that is what will get you out of bed one more day. True? Right? So quick review, summary, then I'll shut up, all right? But it goes like this, all right? This is what we've covered in the past. We are saved by grace through faith and confidence in what Jesus did for us in the past. We lean our lives against that in the past. And because of that, because we believe that that statement is true, we are able to endure and not quit because of our faith and hope in what Jesus is going to do for us in the future. I lean my salvation on the past. I lean my hope on the future. Right? There's a really short, short, short book in the, in the Bible. So if you're in First uh, uh, and 2 Thessalonians, just go about 20 pages to the right. So it's, a little, it's only two pages. So it's called the book of Titus. And it's actually a letter that Paul wrote to this young guy named Titus, all right? To encourage him, because Titus is this little young preacher, and he's preaching some really stiff-necked Christians, and he's about to quit. I can, I can go do something else. And, and he's about ready to give up. And Paul says, listen, don't give up, Titus. This is what keeps me going every day. I, every day I get out of bed, and, and this is what I think. I'm looking forward to that, that day. And Paul describes it this way. Here's what keeps me going, Titus. I'm waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I get up every morning. The way I can get up every morning is I'm waiting for Jesus to come back. I wonder later when Paul is dying in prison, right before they take him out and cut his head off, I wonder if he has a little window in his cell and he's looking at the sky and sees a cloud go by going, is today the day? Is today the day that, that I get to see the glory of my, my God, Jesus Christ? I mean, I don't know if it's today. I don't know if it's 10 years from now, but... The theme of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians is two words, hope and endurance. Hope and endurance that he's going to keep his promise. If you have hope, Paul called it my blessed hope, knowing that you are going to see Jesus, that things are going to be right and better one day. If you have that hope, you can face anything. And if you don't have hope, when times get hard, not if, when times get hard, let's be honest, it's a matter of time until we're done. So let me leave you with this. Don't give up. Keep going. Have hope. Why? Jesus is coming soon. Can you hang on to that? Let's pray. God, I just want to keep going with this. I love this, this message of hope. And the reason I love this message of hope is because a lot of our endurance is on the rocks and about ready to just fall apart. I know. I've heard so many stories of people in this room, and, and they're just, we're, just, we're just barely hanging on because our life is hard. And, we, and we, we believe that we're saved. We believe you died on a cross for us in the past, but the future looks really, really, really difficult. And we, we believe you keep your promises, but we just don't have any idea how you could possibly help this marriage or help my finances or help the health of this. Bring my children back to me. Bring my parents back to me. I don't know how you can fix this, God, but I believe you are who you say you are, and you'll keep every promise. So I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on until finally I see you face to face. God, there's a lot of us in this room that are facing hard things. Or tomorrow we're going to find out we're facing hard things that we never thought would happen. But the reality of this world is it, it gets worse before it gets better. And while we're saved and we're forgiven and we're being changed from the inside out, we have this blessed hope that we can hang on to that you have not forgotten about us and that you are with us and you'll get up out of this room with us and you will walk through every moment of every day of our life until finally we see you face to face. And you won't just spiritually be with us. We'll be in your presence. And we'll touch your face. And you'll say, here's your dad. And here's your baby. And here's your, here's your friends that you lost. They're, I, they're all, we're all together again. God, if that's true, I can hang on. I can face anything this world throws. 
as long as I know that you're with me. I got to keep my eyes on you. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.